0: Well, she was on everyone's screens about two weeks ago today, all right, two weeks ago, three days ago, depending on um, when you're watching. She competed at the 2015-2019 at Pan Am Games, the 2016 and 2020 Olympic Games. She competed at both the 400-meter hurdles and the 4x400-meter four relay, graduated from Arizona University, Sage Watson, thank you for spending the time today and and joining
1: us at Matter of Opinion podcast.
2: Uh, thank you guys for having me.
1: So, how's the transition been back to back to normal life from from being at the Olympics and and being out in Tokyo?
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, a big transition because uh, I'm actually back training. I have a competition this weekend, so not too much has tra- changed with that. But going from the hype of the olympics the excitement of the olympics you know living in a village with thousands of other athletes and eating at the dining hall every day it's definitely been a transition and i've actually forgotten my wallet quite a few times being back because you don't need a wallet when you're living in the village you know you just go and get your food whenever you want it's open 24 7. so you know back to cooking my own food doing my own laundry kind of life right now (laughs) So a change for sure. But um, it's been nice to be able to look back and reflect and have that time to look back at the games.
1: Is that normal for track athletes to just stay like in season and just jump into competition as soon as they're done the Olympics? Because I feel like most athletes would kind of like hang low a little bit, like go back, see the family, like have a whole bunch of cheat meals and kind of just enjoy life for a little bit after that.
2: Yeah, this Olympics, usually the games are, you know, at the end of August, and these Olympics were at the beginning of August, end of July, and the track and field season usually goes to the end of August, beginning of September. So uh, the Olympics fell right in the middle there. So a lot of track at track and field athletes, we still have some bigger competitions after because of the Diamond League series, which is the big league that track and field competes in. Um So I'm going to do one more race, one more competition to end the year. But usually after big games like this, it is nice to just go back home and see the family. So I'm looking forward to doing that in a few weeks, going back to Canada and seeing my family.
1: For sure. And I mean, especially with with that time change, as we were talking before we hopped on here. I mean, with that's what 12, 15 hours for you time change.
2: Yeah, 16 hours. And um This was really tough jet lag to get over because I was in Japan for over 20 days, um, you know, getting ready at the training camp and then, you know, competing and then coming back here. And I think there's definitely something to be said, like coming off that excitement and the energy of the games. And then I came back here and my sleep schedule is so messed up. I I travel the world all the time for track and field, but for some reason this time the jet lag hit extra hard, and I just think that's coming off the high of the games and trying to come back to normal life and trying to adjust to training and sleeping and eating at the same time. So this time the jet lag, this was probably one of the worst times of jet lag I've ever experienced.
1: And with you being there for 20 days, I feel like that was probably one of the more extended stays at the Olympics because... Were the restrictions you could get there five days before and then you had to be out two days after you were done?
2: Yeah. So we did the training camp. We did it in um, um, Gifu, which is a little bit north of Tokyo. And we were there. I was only there for, I think, three or four days. Um, And a lot of athletes were there for a week. But, yes, you can only enter the village five days before your competition. So I got there five days before my first round of the 400 hurdles but um, I'm kind of lucky because I was also running the four by four and the women's four by four relay went to the last day of track and field. So I competed on not the first day, but the second day track and field started all the way to the last day. And that was just a long period to be competing and getting ready to race. So I was very fortunate that I competed on the last day because the athletes who only competed on the second last day and the last day were the ones who got to go to the closing ceremonies because of that um, 48 hour rule that we had to follow. So I was really happy I competed on the last day, even though it was a long week of competing, um, just so I could experience the closing ceremonies.
0: That that gap that you said between the the very first day of competing and the last. Is that something you like? Do you wish it was closer? What's kind of your just personal preference?
2: Well, I started competing on the second day um, and then I had a day off and then I had my second round of my 400 hurdles. And then I had two days off and then we had the heats of the four by four and then a day off and then the finals of the four by four. So there are some periods of time where I just was, you know, got to relax and just get ready to race again. But it definitely extended that whole week. And I think that's what made me so tired from the Olympics was A day on, a day off, a day on, you know, it wasn't like it got, it was over quickly. It just lasted a really long time. Uh, But I was kind of grateful I got those days off because that's when I truly got to, you know, see the village and um, hang out with some teammates and just kind of embrace the Olympic experience. Because when you're competing, you don't really get to embrace the experience of the Olympics because you're so focused on what you're doing. That time just kind of flies by.
1: And so obviously now you're a, you're a two olympic veteran um mm-hmm. taking the uh if you can taking the pandemic out of it sort of what was the comparison between the the two experiences you had
2: Yeah, I think there's a big difference um when it came to Rio and Japan. Rio was a little bit less organized. Um, Then Japan, uh, I know, but the Japanese like culture, they're very organized, very on time, everything's scheduled. Um, So there was definitely a difference there. Rio's more relaxed and chill and the way they did things. Um, Japan did like a phenomenal job despite the pandemic. I know that They probably had so many more exciting things and opportunities planned for us before that. But just the way they handled it, the volunteers were amazing. They're so kind. Even though there's no people, there's no, like, crowds allowed in the stands, the volunteers would still clap for us and cheer for us, which was amazing. So we still had people, like, cheering for us, even though it wasn't a crowd of people or friends or family. Um, So Japan, I thought, did a phenomenal job with all the – Covid protocols and all the rules that were placed. I definitely enjoyed the village more in Japan than I did in Rio. Rio was cool because Rio had like a pool outside of each um, out of each apartment, which was kind of fun. But I never got to enjoy the pool because, like I said, I compete to the last day, so I just had to watch everybody in Rio enjoy the life after competing, and I never got to experience it. So that's why I say like the Tokyo village was better for me because. Um, I just got to like stay more focused there. Um, But yeah, both very different experiences, um, very different ways they were run. And I just I like have all the gratitude and all the um, like words of excellence for Japan, just like the the way they ran things, um, even with all the like COVID protocols. It was so strict, but they still made it like very enjoyable. And I know that was something that was probably really hard to do.
1: And then, so you talked about the, the volunteers being at the events and cheering you guys on. What was the rules for athletes being able to go to other events? Was that allowed or were you guys just kind of forbidden from going to anything other than your own?
2: Yeah, there we were not allowed to go any to anything other than our own. So um, that was kind of, you know, that's part of the Olympic experience is going and seeing other events. And we just had to watch them on TV like everyone else. Um <laughs> So that was kind of sad, but we could still go to the track events and we could still watch track and field, which was nice. So the people that were in the stands were athletes, teammates and coaches and um, like IST staff. So we still had the support of our teammates and, you know, friends from other countries who maybe came and watched us. But, yeah, it was very different because we couldn't go watch other sports and support our other fellow Canadian teammates.
0: Is there a specific hold on Barnsley is there like a specific sport you would have loved to watch?
2: um I mean any sport at the Olympics is like, quite oh come
0: fun. on, give us <laughs> give us something good I don't get you're so like you're so good at answering the right question like it's like yeah. like oh such a good um, answer come on, give us like something
2: um.
0: If you don't know, just, you just, you can cop out and just say, yeah, they're all great. Well,
2: I really, I think gymnastics and trampoline. I've never gone to an event in person. I think that would have been really um, cool to watch. Definitely. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. I want to see stuff that I would never see in yeah. person. Yeah. I mean, or- so, like, to be honest, like no diss, but like, I don't think I would have liked going to obviously watching the Canadian women win soccer would have been awesome, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah, going for to sure. a basic, basic game i think i would have want to watch something i would have never seen i i watched um actually like the kayaking and that was quite phenomenal i would have loved to go to skateboarding too so yeah.
0: see there know. that's what that's what we needed yeah <laughs>
2: that's what um Thanks, yeah Sage. stuff i wouldn't yeah. normally see i think that's kind of cool and that's what i would have liked to go watch but definitely i think skateboarding yeah i'll put that out there skateboarding Um, was really big this year and it was super cool because it was funny because the skateboarders would skateboard around the olympic village and they would like practice and do their tricks in the olympic village so it was it was fun to see that because in rio people weren't really doing that and so it was kind of cool to watch them skateboard around the olympic village and it all made us like jealous like we didn't have skateboards there so (laughs)
0: you should have set up your hurdles if they skated by yeah. you just run over the hurdle you're yeah, like you just try just this buddy hurdle. you try you can you try jumping over these but yeah no I, I agree with you I think that's like something that you have either like no like skill in right so like I think like the diving is so cool and like yeah. the synchronous yeah. diving like how the hell do they do that and all yeah. that stuff's really cool so yeah no I definitely would have liked to watch the skateboarding for sure
2: yeah yeah
1: and I think, like, what was ridiculous is, the, like, the amount of youth in skateboarding. Like, I think oh, it was, yeah. it was, the women's street, like, the accumulative age of the medal winners was, like, 42. Wow. And I'm sure there was a 42-year-old somewhere that won a medal.
2: Yeah. Well, no, I like, mean, the girl yeah. who won it was 13, right? <laughs> like, that's just insane. And I was talking to, I was actually talking to some of the skateboarders in the village, and... I was like, is that um, like crazy to you guys or is that normal? And they're like, well, it's kind of expected because um, they said that there's a level of fear that comes with skateboarding. I mean, there's a level of fear that comes with any sport where you can essentially wipe out. And they said, you know, when you're 13, like they were saying like, you don't have any fear and you're like, wait is really light to do tricks on the boards. And, I just thought that was kind of cool that um, a 13-year-old just goes to the Olympics and wins it. <laughs> and there's like this like innocence, like a 13-year-old, like you've never, did you even watch the 2016 Olympics? Because, you know, you're so young like, and you're at the Olympics for the first time skateboarding's ever there. You just win a gold medal. So like all the, all the props to her, that was pretty special and cool to watch.
1: It goes the, back the, to middle school.
0: I was going to yeah. say, like the like the life after, like she goes home obviously, you know, we're, we're guessing, right. She goes home just, okay. All right. Calls up. What are you, what are you guys doing? We guys want to hang out. She just like want a gold medal? Like if yeah. any of us want it, right. If you want it, you've been like freaking out, right. Having a good time or whatever, but yeah, she's just 13 probably does what other 13 year old kids do. And
2: yeah, I'm back but... to school, living life.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Cool. Well, and then on the other side, I don't know if you were aware of like the, uh, the Uzbekistan, pole or the not pole vault but like vaulter in gymnastics who she <laughs> was like 46 or 47 and that was her eighth olympics
2: no i did not know about that that's crazy
1: yeah and like it like just looking at her journey it was like the first year she comp- competed for like the unified team and then she spent five years with uzbekistan then went to germany for for two olympics and then back to uzbekistan i thought i saw it and i thought it was just like a joke or something and then I look it up and it's like eight Olympic. I'm like, that's 35 years of competing at the highest level.
2: That's insane. Yeah. I think that's,
0: there you go. You that's what you got to get to. Sage. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, the, I uh, I
2: don't think I would be struggling <laughs> at that age for sure. Not your um, hips. would
0: will be like Lego, like Lego legs. They just pop off.
2: Yeah. I do it'll be too much. I think I have one more Olympics for sure left in me. Um, maybe two more i think you can never really put a time frame on your career and expectations but you know the next olympics are only three years away so that there seems go paris
0: good. man Talk yeah, about a good time was, like <laughs> yeah
2: i mean the way they did i don't know if you guys caught glimpses of the closing ceremonies but they were live in paris like outside the eiffel tower um, when the live closing ceremonies were going on, and it was so cool to watch, like the excitement in Paris, and they had the fighter jets like fly over, and it was kind of a cool moment because then you're like, oh yeah, Paris. And I remember in Rio thinking Tokyo, and I'm like, oh, that's four years away, like it was so far away. But all of a sudden, like you think about Paris, I'm like, oh, that's three years away. That's technically only like two summers where we don't have it, and yeah, then- for sure. So it's so soon and it's kind of a cool thought to think that the next Olympics are right around the corner.
0: I, um, I know that like they, obviously they just happened and you're excited for the next race and you're going to give me the politically correct answer, but like, do you wish that there was like a fast forward button to where you could just, you know, go with your three other teammates, go right into the next Paris Olympics and run that 400 meter or the four by 400 meter uh, relay again?
2: No, I need a break because the Olympics, yeah. i telling cool. you there's so draining um any athlete like will tell you that who's like competed that like whole time that it's very draining and there's a lot of emotion and excitement that goes into it so I definitely think I need these next two summers um just to not have an Olympic we have two world championships coming up these next two summers so there's already going to be a lot with that but no I think we need this time I I don't want to press the fast forward button (laughs)
1: <laughs> so that something i've always wondered about the olympics is like what's the interaction like between the athletes within different sports like i saw a video where it was like the general conversation is oh hey what sport do you do oh i do this what do you do oh i do this oh nice and tinder and then like, you swipe oh the yeah. same conversation <laughs> and then, over and over again and then the conversation's just done like is that accurate? Done. <laughs> like what's it like
2: um yeah i think unless you can relate to something else i mean. I know that there are some like university of Arizona athletes there who were in diving. And obviously like I got, I saw them, I met some other teammates, you know, like you, it is a very basic conversation. And the reason it's so basic, I think if it was after the games, there would be more to talk about, but you're so hyper focused on your event and you don't really have the energy or time to have a conversation. That's like not about you competing or you getting ready so i feel like after the games athletes are more like hey like talk talk about life and talk about this but before the games it's like oh what are you here to do cool i'm here to do that well good luck <laughs> you know it's very basic and that's just because everybody's so focused on what they're there to do and that's like to compete but um i've had like i had some really cool conversations with like fellow canadians you know how did you get into your sport like what were the, like, what was the process to get here to the Olympic games, because it's so much different than track and field. And so I thought that was really cool. And then, um, you know, you meet people through like your friends, like I had friends in track and field who were part of a lot of different countries. So I met their fellow teammates just through them. And that was kind of cool. And just to hear what their experiences are within their team compared to like what it's like to be on team Canada is always interesting. Um, But yeah, I think the athlete conversation is so basic just because like everybody's just so focused. But, you know, after everybody's done competing, usually it's like a big party throughout the week. And that's what Rio was, like I was saying. But Tokyo kind of like shut down the party because it was like 48 hours and you're out. (laughs) So everybody was like gone by the time it was the last day.
1: I know the Aussies took full advantage of that 48 hours and they had like some complaints about them because there was holes in the walls and whatever, but yeah that all that considered that that makes a whole bunch of sense but it makes me think that paris is just going to be that much more hectic
0: they're going to save everything that could have been <laughs> used for for uh tokyo and just paris man gonna go hard be, uh... yeah yeah I
2: think, I think so for sure or i you know i hope they don't keep that rule that you know because a lot of covid rules have like gone into you now i hope they don't keep that rule because There is something to be said about, you know, like enjoying the whole Olympic experience. But I'm gonna tell you this. If you are an athlete competing on the last day, do you know how hard it is to be roommates and see your teammates (laughs) partying up and like living and they're being loud and it's like a giant party in the village? So it's it was nice to like. Not have that while I was getting ready to compete, but at the same time, you know, you kind of like when you look back at the whole experience, you're like, oh, it was so different. I kind of missed that. But when you're getting ready and it's like 1 a.m. and you have people like screaming outside your window, like how <laughs> excited they are—they just won like a medal, or they're just like partying and drinking and you have to like wake up at 7 a.m. the next morning. You're like trying to get sleep because you're about to compete at the Olympics. There's something like nice about not having to worry about that <laughs> because everybody's gone and it's it was a lot quieter this time around in the village. But yeah, it's definitely like bittersweet, I guess I would say.
1: I would compare that to like, if you're the unlucky kid in residence who's got an exam on the last day. As you say, it's like college. It it's, like, it's
0: like uh, Arizona, you know you so the thing too with like Wyatt and I, I'm not sure if you know so Wyatt was like a, a university athlete I wasn't one so like we would have like yeah like two different lifestyles for a bit it would be like I would you know go out or whatever then he would have to go train right or he would have to go prepare for a a, a meet right that's what you called it a meet and yeah. it would just be like oh where's Wyatt we'd, we'd be getting up from the night before and then why oh, he's gone he's going to Windsor and it's just like it's like, you know, he knows your, yeah. your pain a little bit more than what I would do for a university life for sure. But yeah, no, I I know that whole that whole feeling thing. So it's uh it's gotta be shitty for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's just like kind of college and I I would explain exactly like that the last day you have an exam on the last day and you're like dang it. Um but at the same time you're like all right, just gotta get it done. And yeah, for sure. You know, the Olympics, it's like so cool to compete on the last day because you're the last day, you're closing out the games and that was really fun about competing in the women's four by four is like, we were one of the last events in track and field and, you know, all of our fellow teammates got to watch us and cheer us on. So that was cool. But yeah, you're still the last event. So you're preparing, getting ready and eating healthy and oh yeah, (laughs) all up until that point.
1: So before we talk a little bit about like the, the year leading up for you into Tokyo, just to touch on the closing ceremonies, where did you, uh slide in in terms of how you felt about the team canada outfit
2: i so at first when it came out i was like oh my goodness that is crazy <laughs> um, and then when we got the jacket and i didn't really think about it too much till then because covid hit and it was like are we gonna even have the olympics like who cares what the outfits look like you know all this stuff and when i got the gear i like looked at the jacket and i was like this is really cool." And I knew it was really cool when people were literally begging me in the village to exchange it. And so they were like begging me to like trade clothes with them.
1: Is that a thing? Like, do people actually like trade their basketball jerseys? Like they're, they're trading
0: off like their.
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. So you like countries will come up and they're like, you want to trade gear? And, um, I never ended up trading any gear this time. Um, But, yeah, it's like a big thing to exchange gear. Um, A big thing in the village is um, everybody gets like their country's pins to put on their location. And that's like a huge thing is pin trading in the village. And people go crazy for pins. Like I've never seen people like they're so crazy for pins. And um, it's kind of fun to do. I ended up trading a few pins, but then. Um, I ended up giving a lot of my pins to the volunteers because, oh,
0: What? Great. Oh, you're so nice.
2: <laughs> well, they, like I'm telling you, like, they were the nicest people ever. Like, you guys, I know you guys were giving your pins to the volunteers because they were so nice and so supportive. And they're volunteering and they have to put up with so much, to be honest, like crap from what's going on and the COVID protocols. And you know, they have to take their job very seriously, but at the same time, they're trying to make it fun for us. So they had a really tough job. And so I thought, just give them the pins as a thank you for what they were doing for us.
0: So I I want to go back to the, yeah, that's pretty good. Back to the outfit. Did you try at all to try and put in like a cowboy hat at all in that that uniform? Or I know you're pretty big on that, which is pretty cool. So I thought maybe you would try and sneak it in or something, but.
2: Yeah, I never brought um, my cowboy hat. You know, when you're packing for the Olympics, you know you're gonna get so many suitcases of stuff there. And I don't. Do you guys know who Ryan Krauser is? He's um, he's a big pole vault. Or sorry, pole vault. He's a big shot putter for the yeah. USA. And he wears a cowboy hat and he actually brought his cowboy hat there and he wore it. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, to travel a cowboy hat, you got to like have a case for it. Or you got either got to wear it the whole time. You have to have a case for it. And I, I was considering bringing it. And I was like, you know what? I just don't think so. And team Canada, believe it or not, they're very strict on what you wear at the closing ceremonies. Like you can't show any brands or anything else. They're very strict on like what, they want you to wear because like our sponsor Hudson Bay and the sponsor under armor, like they paid for us to wear those shoes and they paid, you know, big money and stuff for us to wear those outfits. So there's no changing the outfits for the closing and opening ceremonies.
0: Sage, could you imagine if you bring in like a straw Coors light? Cowboy hat, and you're just in the background, and they're just like zooming in on you. You get a call the next day, it's Under Armour. They're like, What were you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah. You you just, oh, well, man. I mean, everybody thinks it's funny to do that until you get like the fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I bet it's huge. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, um I'm sponsored by Nike, and Nike was the clothing we wore on the track. But I think the fine for like if you got caught wearing something else is like $50,000. So it's just something you just don't mess around with. <laughs>
0: Yeah, God, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I'm I'm only wearing Nike then. Like, there's no way I'm yeah. doing anything else. Man. Yeah,
2: so it's, it's just very strict. And, like, we all respect that, too, because, like, we're grateful to have, like, those sponsorships for the game. So I think everybody's pretty respectful of that.
1: And then, so you guys had, like, the, the clothing and everything, like, waiting for you in the in the village when you got there, right?
2: Yeah, um, well, actually at the training camp, they had everything uh, ready for us. So we just went and picked it up. And um, then when we go to the village, they can actually like tailor some of your clothing to like help it fit you better, or you can change up sizing. Um, But for the most part, you just like send them your sizing before the games. They make sure you have everything. And then we got like two suitcases just full of clothing. So it was a lot of stuff. So, and, and you have to remember you have to bring all that back with you. So I like brought three suitcases full of stuff back with me from the games. And that's not a lot of fun carrying through the airport.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask was, did you guys get stuck with the fee for the extra carry on? <laughs> no, no,
2: no, 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 luckily we didn't. Um, Cause I, I did one carry on bag and then the other two, you know, were paid for. So yeah, luckily we don't get stuck with those fees, but It's really funny because I was in the I flew into LAX and um, I was actually on a flight because I was flying back to Arizona. I was on a flight with a bunch of Team USA athletes and all their suitcases were blue and black. And luckily, mine were red for Team Canada. But the carousel, when it came out, everybody's suitcase was the same. So it was just like this chaos of people like trying to find their own suitcases. And I felt so lucky I wasn't on the team Canada flight going to Toronto because everybody had the red suitcases on there. So I just know like they're going through the same thing in Canada when they got back, like frantically looking for their suitcases. So it's just kind of one of those funny, like only at the Olympics does this like happen.
0: Any uh, four by 400 meter American women on that flight with you back to uh, Arizona? Uh,
2: I don't know if there's any four by four track women back in that flight back with me um yeah I'm not too sure I was honestly like after the games like that flight back I was so tired (laughs) I don't think I would have recognized like somebody if they were like sitting like next to me I was just so out of it
1: I I think I would have been the exact same way so going back to to the year prior to Tokyo for you so I think between February 2020 and January of this year, you only got in like four competitions um, compared to like what a a usual schedule would be. How are you kind of able to keep yourself in like the competition mindset? And obviously with the inability to know when your next competition was going to come necessarily, like how do you go about training?
2: Yeah, it was a tough time because we were just training and hoping for a competition. And I know last summer um, I was able to get in two meets in Europe and just training that whole time like by myself was really tough. And you just like hoping and questioning when your next competition is going to be. And so I think a lot of athletes, we all went through the same thing. It was just a tough time and you just had to stay focused on Yourself really and stay focused on your training goals and your plan. Because if you were like too concerned when your next competition was, it would just drive you crazy because there was so much uncertainty. So I just really focused on my training, you know, what I wanted to accomplish in training, what I was working on to like get better. Um, and then if a competition came up, I was grateful and went to it. But yeah, it was just such a time of uncertainty. And all you could really do is focus on. Improving yourself.
1: Well, and I think what a lot of people don't understand is like your training changes inside and outside of competition. So like that right. makes it that much harder on the athletes when you don't necessarily know how you should be training.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure that that changes things up. And I think racing also shows you kind of where you're at. I mean, when you're competing, like that's where you see your flaws and your weaknesses. You're like, okay, the competition oh, nice. gets to go well into this. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, that was that was really well said. Like that was that was pretty good.
2: Yeah. No, I mean (laughs) that's you know we always want to compete at our best, but we learn the most when we're in competition and when we fail or when we make mistakes, and and that's what you take to training with you and to practice with you to work on and improve on. So without those races, you kind of were like, I hope I'm working on the right stuff. I'm hope I'm you know improving my strengths, and you don't really have those tests. to see where you're at. So yeah, this year I, I kind of, I didn't have like the best year going into the Olympics and um, I've, I've had, I've had a lot of reasons why, but I think, you know, one of the reasons was um, just like not being able to test myself enough the year before and not getting the ample amount of opportunities I would have liked to test myself this year um, leading up to the game. So yeah, there's definitely, it was a lot of, you know, obstacles we had to overcome going into these games but the thing is everybody had to go through the same thing you know so it was we're all kind of on an even playing field there.
1: Was there anything like in particular that kind of helped you to cope with not being able to compete?
2: Um, You know the best thing that ever happened during COVID is I actually got to go home and spend time with my family in Canada and that's something I would have never got really in my athletic career was almost five months at home. And that was something that I'm extremely grateful for. And that really helped me cope, like having my family support and just being able to spend like good quality time with them is what made, you know, that time of not being able to compete and not being able to train. I truly wanted to train, um, kind of worth it. So yeah, just having the family support.
1: That's like something out of a movie, like, a. Athlete isn't able to compete. They go home for five months. It's, Hallmark. Like, <laughs> it's a Hallmark movie.
2: <laughs> it was like a pandemic Hallmark movie. Maybe. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Sure. So um, while you were in college and university, you you were able to compete internationally and at the Olympics. How hard was it to like juggle academics being a world-class athlete And having a a social life because let's say that the two schools you went to were very social schools.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um there that's like the hardest balance ever, and any student athlete will like tell you that. Um I think for me, like once I learned to, I mean, it took a lot of years to finally like be able to balance my schedule, but once I learned what my priorities were and like what my goals were truly to get out of college and what i wanted to accomplish that just made it that much easier to prioritize things um and yeah i didn't go to a lot of college parties i you know not saying that i didn't go to any but i definitely didn't go to as many college parties as i probably would have wanted to and like to do but um what i got out of that was like you know i got to go to two amazing universities i you know, had some success in track and field in university and I had success in um, school and the programs I was in. So it's just all about what do you want out of college? And there's nothing wrong with wanting more of a social life if that's what you went to college for. There's nothing wrong with like, look, I want to come out of college and have the college experience and meet all these people because there's something to be said about going to college and like having a social life and making great connections and making great lifelong friends there's definitely something to be said about that, but you just have to go in and know what you want to accomplish and what you truly want to get out of your college experience. And I think once you figure that out, then you're e- like able to plan your kind of schedule and what you want to accomplish and what your goals are. And then once you're able to do that, then things are a lot easier.
1: And Sage should be giving the presentations to the incoming student athletes. <laughs> you're like a valedictorian. <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs>
2: I try to help out, you know, I'm a volunteer coach here at the university of Arizona and I've tried to help out. I've had these talks, you know, a lot of, with the student athletes and um, trying to help them figure out like what they want. And it's like one of the hardest things is to go up to somebody and be like, look, like your life is like completely different from your teammates life. Like, what do you want? Because what they want is not always what you want and their accomplishments might not be your accomplishments. So you have to figure out like as an individual, what you want. And I think people get so caught up on looking at their teammates or looking at their friends and what they're accomplishing. And that's not always the same thing that you should want or do want.
0: Yeah. Sage, it sounds like we, uh, we all know your next perfection is a (laughs) track coach, but yeah. Um, I just, I'm interested too, to talk about kind of the, the transfer from FSU to Arizona U and You get doing a little bit of research. FSU just didn't really look like it was the greatest fit. Is that just fair to say as a, as a whole? And then Um, AU was a bit of a better fit or how would you describe the, the two unis?
2: Yeah. I mean, they, I love Florida state university. I had a great time there. Um, I was really close with my teammates there. Um, We had a phenomenal team of like a lot of international athletes Um, one of the main reasons I made the transfer is my coach actually left Florida State University and I was kind of looking for a coach. And this is another time where I had to learn like what my goals were. And, um, I knew 2016 was like, that was the Olympic games. And I was like, all right, I want to make the Olympic games. How am I going to get there? And I need to find a coach who can help me get there. And that's when I started looking at other programs because, I wasn't sure the program at Florida state um, that following year was going to get me to the Olympics. And so I made like the, it was a really hard decision and I did not want to leave Florida state and I definitely missed it, but I made the decision to transfer to the university of Arizona um, to be with my coach um, Fred Harvey um, to help me accomplish my dreams of getting to the Olympics. And, And I'm so happy that I did because I ended up, you know, having great success that year and making the Olympics in 2016, but yeah, it was not an easy decision to make. I think any athlete who transfers, you know, it's, it's a tough decision. You lose some classes, which isn't fun. So I had to retake some classes and you lose some friends and I really missed my teammates and um, everything, but I think it was the right decision for me at the time.
0: So the, the Arizona coach, what made him so, so good?
2: Um, yeah, coach Harvey, he's just a very like caring, knowledgeable man. Um, the one thing that I really like about him and how he runs his program, he, he cares about the people first and then like your athletic ability second. And I think that's something really big to have as a coach. You just know that your coach like genuinely cares about you. And I think when you feel that, um, in a program that like you're cared about as a person, you're more likely to have success as an athlete. And so that's just something that I really felt here at the University of Arizona. It was like, I was valued as Sage and then I was valued as, all right, what points can I score for the team and what can I accomplish? So that was just a big difference um, from here than Florida State.
1: That's that's unique because I think uh, the thing with a lot of the U- of U.S. schools is the athletes are just kind of seen as they're there to kind of help generate some revenue um, rather than being seen as like the, the person they are and the individual they are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, and the, you know, that's hard because if you're looking at somebody just to come in and score points for your school or, you know, to have more success on your team, you know, you want to make sure like they're good people, good genuine people who want to the program to do well. And then you want to make sure, you know, we're student athletes and that's something that, I think we're gonna see a lot different now with the new NCAA rules. Is like you're a student first. You're a student here at the University of Ar- like, or I'm a student here at the University of Arizona, and then I'm an athlete second. And um, you know, with this new paying the athletes thing, that's gonna be something really tough that the NCAA is gonna have to navigate because I think there's a total new era of student athletes about to come out.
1: So that's what I wanted to ask you about next was like first of all your opinions on the the new rules and how you think it it would have potentially changed your experience as a as an athlete
2: um yeah I think that you know obviously like I don't know if what sponsorships I would have or could have gotten because that's still so new um I think one of the great things about going to college is that like where everybody's kind of on this like level playing field and you're not you're getting the exact same thing like your teammates are getting I know scholarships can be different but you're kind of you're all like broke college students and now what's going to start happening is there's going to be some students who are making like hundreds of thousands I mean Alabama players already making like over a million dollars so then stupid man. <laughs> yeah it's just, just good for crazy. him though
0: get your bag I mean, but still yeah
2: me, you know I think that I think we could have done it in a different way. I think the athletes should profit, but they shouldn't get their money till once they leave the university, because I think what you're gonna start seeing here is, um, you know, jealousy on teams. Um, Your teammates making more money than you are. And it's stuff that you shouldn't have to worry about till you're like a pro athlete. And so we have 18 year olds coming into school making millions of dollars. All right. What is that 18 year old gonna do with millions of dollars, right? They're gonna throw parties, they're gonna have fun, they're not really gonna care about school. Like, how can you care about school when you're making millions of dollars?
0: Yeah, they're and, student athletes, you know, they're, they're not athlete I, students. So.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying that they won't necessarily care. Like, you can never, you never know how somebody's gonna take it. But from what I've seen in my experiences in college, if you give some of these athletes hundreds, or even if you give them $10,000, They're going to go throw a big party and the focus will not be on the games or not be on the competitions or not be on schools. It'll be on, you know, the social life, um, the appearance, um, all the things that come with, you know, making a huge influx of money. You know, when you're not basically ready to make that amount of money, you don't have enough life experience to, you know, financially handle that amount of money.
1: My hope was kind of that with that comes like some NCAA mandated like finance courses or something. I just, Um, I, I don't think that's realistic at all though. Like
2: no, that's not going to happen. University of Arizona. We've actually done something really cool. Um, The business school is actually going to be helping student athletes with these sponsorships and be guiding them kind of through it. So I think if schools start handle like the business school comes in and they're like, Hey, Um, We're going to help be kind of like your manager, like we're going to help you with the money. We're going to give you some options for like investing your money, Um, you know, what you can do with your money, what these negotiations should look like. So I think that's a really big thing that University of Arizona is doing is having the business school involved. And I think if other universities start doing that, we can see something really great. Um, Do I think that's going to happen everywhere? No. (laughs) So it's just going to be a total shift in what the NCAA looks like.
0: I just I can imagine, like, I think that's a great idea. I just imagine a conversation going something like this, like the the advisor with the student. Okay, so you have 20, okay, we'll do you 50 grand. You know, you could de- you can invest in the stock market. Yeah, but I kind of want an escalate. Like, yeah, <laughs> like there's gonna be, yeah. you know, some students who are gonna be like, yeah, okay, I'll invest. Other students will be like, yeah, or I could go buy, you know, 30 kegs from my roommates and we could just have the yeah. time the night of our life, right? So it's like, yes. you know. I that's amazing though. I'm, I'm really surprised. And I think that's a good idea that Arizona's doing that. So that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And I hope it helps some athletes out, but we're going to see some fun and interesting stories <laughs> now coming out. I'm sure that this year is going to be just a totally different year.
1: Um, Jack, do you have anything else or should we, uh, should we hop to the, the fun segment? Yeah.
0: So this is pretty fun though. So I, um, I looked at going to Arizona state and I was, I almost went to Arizona U too for, for hockey, but I know that those two schools have like a huge rivalry. Like, mm-hmm. did you, when you competed against Arizona state, was there always like, okay, we got to beat them like kind of aspect, or, or was it more just like, just kind of do our thing. And we'll, we'll, if we, if we do our thing, then we'll beat
2: them. Um, no, there's definitely like a rivalry. Uh, we would have like a dual meet, which is kind of fun. So Arizona would compete against ASU and, um, you know, for the most part you just wanted to beat them and there was nothing. But I mean, our, I remember my senior year, our men's like four by fours almost gotten to like a fist fight on the track. There it we was, go. Like, so <laughs> you know, it was a like heated rivalry and somebody said something to somebody and somebody said something to somebody. And so it kind of got heated and, you know, as much as you don't want to like encourage that, it was kind of like fun and exciting to see, And so there is definitely that rivalry between schools. And I think there always will be. And that's when you see good competitions is rivalry. Like if nobody really has like passion behind their team, then it's not as exciting or not as interesting. So I think you always want these, you know, college rivalries.
0: Yeah. You know, it it helps you, you know, stay in the gym, the, the extra hour it's forced you to get up that a Sunday morning instead of just sleeping in kind of things. So, yeah, I think the, Well we got a couple more rivalry questions for you but we'll uh, we'll jump into the the fun section. So so why you want to uh this is stupid. <laughs> you want to start us off. <laughs>
1: this is like these are straight from the the whack world of the internet and like yeah. the two the two like some of the debates that are going on um where do you stand on the whole is water wet debate? or have you even come across it
2: um yeah i guess water's wet
1: oh,
0: <laughs>
2: i don't <yeah>. know <laughs> that's, that's, that's i mean i'm gonna say yeah so yeah. are
0: fish dry when they're in the ocean no the fish are wet then you said when they're in the ocean is that how that yeah was, is that, they're connected? It, it, The
2: fish dries off when you pull it out of the ocean and there's no all more right. water on it
1: all right all right okay Next I'm question. This one gets better.
0: This one gets better. this
1: one is is by far dumber. Um, is cereal a soup? No. Oh.
0: is a hot I dog know. a sandwich?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. Nice. Nice. There we go. <laughs> All right. I I think I know the answer to this question, but if you had not become an athlete, where had you seen yourself going?
2: Ah, uh, I mean. I don't know for sure. Obviously I grew up in Southern Alberta on a cattle ranch, so maybe something to do with that. I mean, but I've always, um, I've really been into like marketing and sports marketing and that's why I went to university for was marketing. So maybe a fun marketing job. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Something along the lines of that, either ranching or marketing.
0: Have you seen the show, uh, Yellowstone?
2: no i haven't oh ever, like,
0: you need it. to watch this show it's uh i
2: know i know, everybody know, it, says you know watch it. It, but it's like if you watch a hockey movie and like you watch some of the plays or the stuff that goes on you're like that doesn't yep. actually
0: <laughs> or, or you're watching it you're <laughs> like that no one would make that decision or you know exactly. they wouldn't do it that exactly. way yeah,
2: Or there's like one second on the score and they've like shown been showing them like skating and passing the puck for like five minutes and you're like, all right, this did not all this <laughs> happen in the last one second. I mean, that's kind of how it was. I've heard some stuff with Yellowstone, like ranchers have watched it and they're like, it's not real, but it's a great show. But it's like, you're watching, and you're like, that doesn't happen.
0: Okay, so okay, I grew up in Toronto, so when I watched that show, I just think this must be it. This must be so accurate. <laughs> so I think it's so cool, but that yeah. that makes total sense. Yeah. When you when you were competing at either FSU or Arizona, did you ever have like a collegiate rival?
2: Um more of an
0: like an athlete rather than like an actual school.
2: No, I think I honestly all I didn't have like rivals from other. Oh, we did university of Miami Our women's four by fours hated each other. Um, (laughs) for a while we talked some crap between us. So yeah, there was a rival or women's like Florida state four by four and the Miami girls four by four. There was some smack talk between us. So I guess
0: what was was your line? What would you tell them? We can edit this out if you, if if it's really that bad. Yeah. Or you can say,
2: I don't even know what they would, uh, we would say, like, I can't even remember. I think You know, I did um, say a swear word like to a girl after one race because she like pushed me off the track. It was like an indoor race. And um, I like cussed at her. And I was so like, I got in trouble. Like, I was a freshman too. Like, I was really,
0: wow. My coach
2: scooped me up. He's like, you can't do that. And I was like (laughs) fired up and mad. But that's probably like the only thing from my college days.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, man. She's like, coach, she deserved it. All right, I won't, <laughs> yeah, I won't like, tell you what I did when I played hockey because I got uh, suspended a couple of times. But uh, oh, that's
2: oh yeah, good. A totally different thing. You're like allowed to say stuff. Like, <laughs> it's almost encouraged.
0: encouraged yeah. yeah, it's absolutely like, encouraged.
2: Like, just like, have you guys watched like Letter Kenny?
0: Yeah, uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like the chirping in there is just—it's
1: <laughs> it's pretty so good. So One of the few hockey-related TV shows that's actually somewhat accurate.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, was, I would say so. I mean, they make fun of hockey players and the Chirps, but it's pretty hilarious.
0: So you've been to two villages now. Is there something the villages are just missing and you're surprised that they haven't added yet?
2: Um, Missing.
0: Or just like something you're like, how do they not have like something so simple as as this?
2: Well, you know what sucked about this village is we didn't have a McDonald's. So Whoa. in Rio, we had a McDonald's and everything was free. Um, but Aren't they, they one had- of
1: like the major sponsors?
2: Yeah, they did not sponsor used- <laughs> these. Companies. Yeah,
1: yeah oh, man. <laughs> Say hi, yeah. Mickey D's.
2: Yeah, they they fell off the wagon here. So um, they weren't a sponsor in uh, 2020. So that's what I thought was missing. Maybe like another sponsor could have hopped in like, I don't know, Chipotle. That would have been cool.
0: Oh, Chipotle oh, solid. Um, so yeah. yeah so like you're,
2: totally awesome.
0: Oh, they would have run out of meat so quickly.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: It'd,
0: it'd be gone. Um, so, you know, looking into you, you enjoy cooking. What's, uh, you know, what's your favorite like cheat meal that you can make?
2: Like a cheat meal. Um, I don't like, I know people say like cheat meals, like I don't count oh anything. Gosh. as like a cheat meal.
0: Okay. So you're always eating healthy. So no, I,
2: I everything in moderation. I think you should be oh, okay, able to eat okay. like, hot wings or burgers or pizza whenever you want. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you're cheating. You're just like eating something different. And I really, I really believe like, if I really want to make a giant ice cream sundae, like, yeah, I'm going to make it and eat it. But am I going to eat it three days in a row? No,
0: <laughs> maybe, you know, like, we'll see, maybe we'll see.
2: But <laughs> like, I really believe in just I wouldn't count anything like I make as like a cheat meal, I guess I would say. Okay. Um,
0: Very cool. Very cool. That's the mindset we're different. here for. Yeah. That's yeah. We're both big fans of that. Um, yeah. Last question for me. Is there, is there anyone that any friend that you have that you think would be great for uh, a guest on, on the podcast?
2: Uh, like you guys want like team Canada people
0: oh yeah athlete they don't have to be team Canada just like a you know they can't be your friend from home but like um, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> oh my my friend Catherine from home would be awesome to have on she's got cool stories um, but no just like an athlete or something like uh of that nature yeah I
2: mean it's, oh it's so hard to pick um
0: or two you can pick two that's okay
2: I mean like anybody like Maddie Price like on our women's four by four like Alicia Brown on our women's four by four um you know, that those girls are really great and like super fun. And, um, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like who, I mean, honestly, you can just go through the team Canada roster and any of those people are like great people. Like our team Canada, like everybody's really great on the team. Um, especially the track and field team. We just have like pretty phenomenal athletes, but yeah, I would say, you know, shout out to my four by four girls. So go interview any of those girls.
0: So we definitely will. So thank you, Sage. Before I finish up, I think the best part of interviewing a teammate is we can hear the stories on you and whether you've done some, some funny stuff, some cool stuff, how you are as a teammate, but like that kind of aspect would be cool. The um, yeah. Thank you so much, Sage, for, uh, for spending wow. your our afternoon with us. And one one final thing i do have to say was i told my mom i was interviewing you and she Uh has become a huge sage fan she loved your Uh your story the the red lipstick like the your success Uh too and at the olympics so yeah i had to give my mom a shout out but yeah she was super excited uh when i told her that we were interviewing you so thank you for coming on
2: well hi mom (laughs) for the support i appreciate it
0: all right. Awesome, Sage. Have a great day. Have a great mood yeah. now. Hey, now you're part of the Moo Crew. So
2: yeah, add that to the resume. Awesome. You guys asked some really great questions and um, I appreciate all of it and all the support. So thank you.